Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gusovsky here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you? I am doing well. It's our, our favorite time of year, or one of our many favorite times of year. Yes, it's time for the Toronto International Film Festival. And the 2023 edition is as full of amazing discoveries, films, films we've heard about. There are films here from Cannes and other festivals that we get a chance to see here at home. Um, so there's a lot of things to talk about, despite writers and actors strikes. Uh, although we are fully in solidarity with these actors and writers, uh, there are plenty of people who are not on strike, who are, you know, going to be presenting films and uh, we're going to be there with them mm -hmm. to support them and in solidarity we're going to be thinking about the ones on strike so what we're going to do is we're going to support some canadian filmmakers and these are the filmmakers that make shorts some of them are new some of them are veterans, and in one case at least, uh, it's a person who made a brilliant debut feature film who has chosen uh, the short film form for this particular subject matter, which I, I just love it when filmmakers do that because as we keep saying year after year, some films are short ideas and some films are longer ideas. And the genius is knowing, you know, which one is which and how long and like all those considerations are vital. Mm -hmm. So, Courtney, why don't you start us off? Yes. How about we pick things up with the film that you were alluding to? So there's a wonderful new film from Yasmin Mazarafi. Um, she is the director that created the stunning debut firecrackers um a few years ago which premiered at tiff she has a new film which is playing shorts called motherland and i was really taken by this film it's a 70s set film that looks at the iranian um hostage standoff when you know the um a lot of american i believe it was the american u.s embassy was mm, held hostage yeah, yeah. while in Iran and Sarebis, the, the same subject that, you know, um, Ben Affleck covered in, in Argo. This film, I found, was even better than that. This really brings it home on a level that looks at the crisis from an American perspective. So you have an Iranian young man by the name of Babak who is studying in the U.S. He's in love with this American girl while there's crisis going on at home and he's also seeing a lot of hatreds towards iranian individuals on american soil so you, you you're watching him as he's trying to navigate being pulled in several directions on, on one hand he wants to marry this girl but is also realizing that being an iranian man in america at that time is very problematic and especially him marrying a white american female is also problematic and then he's not sure what's going on at home he's he hears that his brother is going to these volatile protests but he can't actually get in touch with him and his mother's telling him not to come back home because it's situations too tense so there's a lot of stuff going on 
And it's all encapsulated in this really cool 70s aesthetic where even the, I believe this was um, shot on film, and I could be wrong, but like the grain of the of the texture feels straight out of the, the 70s. There's a style to this film that boils up the tension while still keeping the the emotional heart at, at its core. I, I was just really taken by this film. Yeah, me too. I mean, Masafari, she is so great at uh, with textures, as you, as you said, but also with summoning up this kind of frenetic energy and creating this tension. And the way she does it in just 24 minutes in this film is incredible. Uh, we learn everything we need to know about this man, about his, his how he's stepping into cultures, how... Um, his internal conflict, even the way that it's shot and the way certain scenes are shot where, you know, he's, he's interacting with someone and the camera just, just comes in closer and closer and closer. And you, it's just an interaction of facial faces, facial expressions. Um, so that uh, the intensity is palpable and, uh, and we really feel that energy he's going through. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, and there's there's one scene in particular that I absolutely love where Babek is talking to um, Katie's father, and Katie's the woman that he's in love with, he wants to marry, and he's hoping to get the father's blessing. And the father's of German descent, who is clearly not having the idea of his daughter marrying an Iranian man sit well with him and there's an interesting conversation where in their discourse you really kind of see the immigrant experience from two different perspectives and the father's perspective being of German descent is one of assimilation where he is allowed to kind of become one with America and also harbor a lot of that hostility that Americans have towards Iranian even though their lives are somewhat similar in terms of path. Like it's a really fascinating commentary on, on who gets to become American officially and, and who doesn't. There's, there's a lot going on in this film and it's, and it's all wonderful. That was Motherland. And that is a highlight of Shortcuts 6. So where would you like to go next? How about we talk about another interesting drama? Do you want to talk about Express? So it's about a young man with a lot of drive and determination and uh, you the interesting thing about the, the film he really wants to get ahead and he he's really focused on his career he's focused on being a success he's got personal reasons for that uh, not just with for himself but for his dad so like he's got really good intentions uh, you hear uh, interesting sound in his relationships because you hear um, his affirmations to himself, but his affirmations are sometimes a little like stressful. Like you must do this, you must do that, and so this is a situation where he went for an interview and he's waiting for the call, and his friends are distracting him, and he gets frustrated by being distracted, and and how he reacts. Uh, it's an interesting twist at the end, an interesting comment on how he is. Uh, it's an interesting comment on the consequences of driving, of being so driven 
that at the expense of everything else. I don't want to ruin it too much because I it's it's something really um, to be experienced, especially because of this sound image relationship that the filmmaker so expertly balances and establishes and, and creates this tight focus. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a, a perfect way to, to sum it up without spoiling it. And it's, I thought this film did a really good job of also just capturing the pressures that comes with um, being quote unquote successful, or at least, you know, this particular individual's version of success. Uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a thin line between determination and obsession and vice versa. And I think often we, we get the two confused as this film does a really good job of, of showing. And, you know, even just the idea of being a success, we often look at it through a consumerist type of lens. Um, and this film really forces you to question why is that? Uh, and I think it, I think it does a really good job, especially as you said. There's a there's an audio component that's playing throughout that really kind of just hits that message home. And I, I thought it was a a really well done film. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we agree on that one too. Mm-hmm. You know what? I will take things in a slightly darker direction briefly um and this one kind of caught me off guard because it was a film that went places i was not expecting um and i'm going to talk briefly about red lights from director eva thomas and this is a film that has an ominous feel from the jump but not in the ways you expect essentially you have two women who are out for some drinks uh, one evening one is a law student. I'm not. I can't remember if they explain what the other one does, but she's clearly the the livelier of the two in terms of having fun when it comes to partying. Not as tightly wound as her friend. And the two women get separated briefly when one goes back into the bar to pick up her friend's purse that's left behind, only to come out to find that her friend has been taken by the police. From there, it gets pulled into this really tense car chase and what you think is going to happen isn't quite what the film is about yes but what happens is equally disturbing when the film reveals what its true message is um i was really captivated by this film just because it tackles something that occurs in canada especially in regards to the indigenous community that i wasn't aware that happens um I don't know if the film wraps itself up um, well enough. Like, I feel like it's still really messy at the end. And the, the women are in a situation that while you get a bit of relief, you're still thinking, well, there's a whole other problem that they've now found themselves in. But I found it really effective in raising awareness to something that I'm pretty sure a lot of Canadians do not realizes has been occurring since the the 1970s and just the chilling atmosphere the so the fact that the red lights of the police car are the only thing that light the characters especially late at night is also very eerie because in one sense you have the lights of the police car which you associate with 
help an emergency. In this case, it's being used as terror. And the fact that it encompasses them shows like they're, you're in a situation that they can't easily escape. So I, I was quite taken by this film. Um, it's, I'm, it's definitely going to rub some people the wrong way. And it's bound to start a lot of conversations. But I thought Red Lights was uh, a fascinating film. And that is playing in Shorts Cuts program number two. Okay. Can I change the, the mood a little bit? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's a drama, but it's kind of a comedy drama. I'm going to go back to, to uh, number six, Shortcut Six. And so, yeah, like I said, this is a dramedy. And uh, it's called it's called Sheshe Ali, which in Mandarin means thank you, Ali. And Ali is uh he is a biracial young man and really can't speak uh, mandarin at all but he's got this event coming up uh, his grandmother's birthday and she can't speak english really well so he's trying really hard uh through this class to find we discover he he's uh trying to figure out a way to communicate with her uh, on this special occasion and what happens in the restaurant, it's a, it's a Chinese restaurant. And what happens at this like giant family gathering in this restaurant um, just shows you, I think everybody can relate in terms of families. It's like families, you know, you can't, yep. you can't, you just can't take them. They're just, I just want to go, oh, families, you know, like they are, it's complicated. It's complicated, but I, I still like the twist on the end. Like, so I like the film because it's tight. It's like, you know, well put together. It's like, it's got all the right beats and it just blends the ending perfectly. Uh, all very, very precise. And uh, so, yeah, James Michael Chang, uh, I, he's the director and I congratulate him on this. Yeah, I, I quite enjoy this. And I, I believe it was his brother, Oliver Chang, that plays Ollie in this film. Um, I, I'm assuming they're really just based off of the, the name. And I think they both co-wrote the the script. Like it, it felt very personal amongst all the, the humor. But what really struck me about this film was the way that Ollie is essentially trapped between two worlds that he doesn't quite seem to fit in. He, like, he's really trying hard to, to learn Mandarin so that he could feel a little more at home in within his family and just his community in general. Um, Cause he gets a lot of weird looks when he tries to speak Mandarin to, to other Chinese individuals throughout the film, but then also his white roommates slash friends don't That's look, right, yeah. they yeah, don't yeah. look at him as being like a true Asian because he's mixed and they, they feel like he's more white than he is. Asian. So the, that divide of him kind of not fitting in, in either realm um, really sticks out. And yeah, just, it's a, a very simple, but effective approach to, to this film. I was, I was quite taken with it as well. And just the right amount of humor to kind of hit its messaging and social commentary, you know, just give you the right bit of medicine to, to take with this. So it, yeah, I, I was quite taken with it. It was a good yeah. one. And you know what? I'm going to, follow your lead with another one that I found amusing, but maybe in an odd way. Um, and it's a film that 
is called Bloom. And this is by director Casey Lum. And it's in playing in shorts program number two. And I don't even know how to best describe this film. Yeah, it's essentially this a, wild. Eh? This one is wild. <laughs> it's about a woman who comes home one day. She's bought this nice plant for her partner as a gift, only to realize that the partner isn't at home when she arrives. And also their clothes and most of their stuff just happens to be gone. She's trying to get answers. She's trying to call a partner, but she's not getting any response. So for the first part of the film, it's really about her obsessing over her phone, looking for some form of connection. And then as the film evolves, you start to realize that the plant that she bought is not just a gift. It's kind of symbolic of the life that she's ignored. And by focusing on happiness through others and not through nature, it kind of has taken her life in a direction that it maybe shouldn't. And her and this plant, I want to say, have this little back and forth where they have a connection <laughs> that is far deeper. And I, I, I don't, I'm trying my best not to spoil it, but they have a connection <laughs> that is far deeper than you anticipate and almost a battle of wills, which you know, going against mother nature is probably not the best idea. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting because I I had a different interpretation of what was going on with the plant, which, you know, it, it does enter this like symbolic realm. And, and I felt kind of surreal after a while, but it felt like the, the plant was uh, more of a metaphor for what was going on with her. I mean, she's going through this heartbreak. The performance by Jodie Balfour. I mean, the film. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, it, she she drives the film completely. But the director, like, he's got uh, an amazing handle uh, on this, and but also the strangeness that starts to happen. So I had a completely different point of view. I felt like the plant... Uh, when it comes to the symbolism that's happening in the film, really symbolizes what's happening with her mm-hmm. and what she has to go through uh, in order to get over this heartbreak. And to, as you know, I agree, she has to uh, get back in touch with uh, herself and not yeah. rely on another person for happiness. Uh, but that she, uh, her, process starts to mimic what the actual plant needs <laughs> it's uh i hope that makes sense because i i feel like if i say more i'm gonna ruin it yes and i this and is fascinating so yeah it's it's definitely one that you you need to see it's a really inventive and extremely well shot film yes, as well yes. like i was i was captivated by the way how it uses space and you know, makes her feel somewhat small and the, and the small plant seem rather large just in terms of the placement. Uh, again, it may not make sense as you're hearing this, but when you watch this film, it will it will all connect because there's so much going on in this film and uh, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, do you want to talk a bit about some of the animated ones? Because again, there's all very different types of shorts playing and I, I know we saw, what, two animated films? Yes, uh, 
God, I love the animation. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan. Like animation can can convey so much more emotionally, uh, but also in other ways. It, like it frees the filmmaker up to make all these um, statements and in, give us these insights into things that may. I don't really know that live action can. Like mm -hmm. uh, the first one I, I want to mention is called aphasia. And aphasia is this um, condition that some people develop. Some people um, get it like instantly because of an accident or something. Or it starts to happen, in, like in the case of the film, it starts to happen um, as people age. It's, it starts to slowly develop. Like if a person gets Alzheimer's, for example, and it's a problem with language, with like being able to communicate using language. There's a, there's a part of the brain that gets affected. Yeah. Um, so that language becomes difficult to comprehend. It's a cognitive uh, difficulty that starts to develop, right? Language is difficult to comprehend, but it's also difficult to find words, right? So and it doesn't mean that, like it doesn't affect the intelligence of the person. And so the person is trapped um, in this state, which I thought that the film, this animated film, perfectly conveyed um, through its its visual aesthetic and the way that the, this is another example of where sound and image um, really work together. And sometimes in, especially in this case, they clash. And in that clash, you get a real sense of what's going on within the individual and yeah. how difficult it is to live with this. Um, the aesthetic is, is just, just incredible. And uh, it's so expressionistic and just de emotionally devastating. It It's so effective. Yeah, it was, it was an, a topic that I wasn't that familiar with. And I, thought that this was the perfect introduction to it um just the way how like you would see the edge of, the words on the edge of the margin um there's points in the film where they're talking about the intelligence being there uh, but it's almost like just out of out of reach and then as you're seeing this old woman in the chair sometimes she's kind of slowly disappearing as certain words are reappearing because you're seeing like she's trying her best to remember these you know five or six key words um, and she still can't do that. And there's just, I don't know, it was it was really a experience where I felt it as a mood, but also and I, there was just some interesting things, even with the color palettes. Like there's a scene where you see the, the woman three different times and it's like three different colors and different moods. And there's a, a lot going on. And I, for me, it was a great introductory to this condition. Like after the film, I wanted to to research a bit more about it. And I think... You know that's probably the biggest compliment I can give this film outside outside of the fact that it's just visually stunning and you really thought provoking. But the fact that someone will come in have no idea about this condition and want to know everything they can about it because it's probably something that's impacting a lot of people you know, but without even registering it. So it, it, it's quite well done. Yeah, I, uh, that's a really good point you made about um, the colors. The, the use of colors because in a three minute film and with, with the way that the, the images are layered, uh, it's, it, it is so much going on, mm -hmm. which 
puts us into the into the internal world of this of this person. So that that's also you know what makes it so effective. Should we move on to the other uh, animated film? Sure. Yes. If you want to uh, talk about that one. Okay. So uh, this one is called Meteor, and uh, the filmmaker is Atafe Kademoreza. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. It, it's a, a Canadian film. Like they're all Canadian, the, the films we're talking about, uh, but the, the language is in Persian. And it's a woman who is reflecting back on her life in Iran and on this friend she had there, uh, the member of the LGBTQ plus community uh and but in those reflections in this message that she's speaking to him it's like the 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 voiceover is so emotionally piercing the honesty the candor the it's just it's it's so captivating uh in this voiceover she is uh, reflecting on her story his story and and the sadness that they both endured uh, which you know is a commentary and then she's also you know opening up that discussion into a, a greater commentary on the repression suffered by women and the lgbtq plus community yeah. in iran um so that 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 it's it's only 10 minutes long but uh, and the the imagery is so stunning i, I Really, there's different kind of styles of animation going on here. I think there's there's something, and I, you know, I don't know how to how to I don't know the words or for this style of animation where it's you've got an image, but then you color over it, and yeah. so that makes it just absolutely stand out more vividly. I, I um, want to so say that, rotoscoping, but I might be wrong. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's. Yes, I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then and then she puts in some more experimental imagery, which when you're listening to what she's saying, all of that coming together and interacting is really uh, making it so vivid to us. Um, the suffering, the suffering of these two individuals, and the suffering of just the groups that she's talking about in Iran that are being persecuted. Um, the danger to their lives just just for being who they are i found this to be a very haunting film and uh it's it's staying with me and i think it will stay with me for a very long time yeah i agree this was one that um really took me off guard and you were talking about just the the images and the the way how it incorporated real life footage like we see scenes of protests women cutting off their hair um military and kind of police violence towards the community but there was also like a dreamlike quality to it all uh, i think a lot of that had to do with the color palette which which also made it really haunting because you have such strife um but then you also have these wonderful memories of the friend as a dancer, 
you know, and how this image of this dancer whose face you can't quite see because he's no longer quite there, but there's a grace and beauty to it and how all the kind of horror around it has taken away that, that beauty, you know, and love is the thing that bonded their friendship and love is also the thing that ultimately leads to the friend's death. It, it, it's, it's a really powerful, powerful short film. And, you know, hopefully a, a lot of people will get a chance to, to take a look at this one. Yes. Hopefully we have one more we want to talk about. And there's a film that reminded me of another short film and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but it's a film called, Modern Goose by Karsten Wall, and it's playing in Shorts Program 6. And I don't know if we mentioned that Meteor was playing in Shorts Program 1 um, for those who are looking for that particular film. So for Modern Goose, it reminded me a lot of a film that I believe we saw at TIFF maybe a year or two ago called Nuisance Bear. And I don't know if you oh, recall yes. Oh, yes. when we were talking yeah. about that one, how I was really taken by that film because I had never really thought about the life of bears and polar bears in our environment watching this film i must admit i never thought about the life of a goose or just geese in general and i was really captivated by this film Uh, this film is essentially a fly on the wall documentary that captures various geese from different angles as they're in the water, as they're roaming about land, they're in kind of this picturesque um, natural environment at the beginning. And then quickly it transposes to these creatures in our environment, how we have built cities on their, what used to be their, their land. And now how they are rummaging around garbage, roaming through drive-throughs just enduring the hardships of of life you know the the fact that they can be hit by cars at at any moment and it was a really fascinating look and it really made me think about our city landscapes and how much we have really forced nature out and the ones that you know the animals that have been forced to kind of stay within our communities the real hardships that they endure and the, the footage in this film alone is just fascinating because I thought the way how you capture or the way how Wall captures every aspect of a goose, you know, you see the wings, the beaks, what have you, but then just the animalistic nature of the way that they attack like bags of discarded bread. And, you know, you, you, you kind of feel for these animals that, most of the time, if I would see it, I'd be like, oh, that's from a distance, you know, you, you stay away. But like, it, it really does a, a wonderful job of making you really meditate on how we, how our lives have impacted these animals, um, and, you know, to, to their detriment. Absolutely. I mean, I, and I, I, it was surprising. Like, I was struck because it seemed like from their point of view, there was so much sprawl. I mean, when you, you the, the landscapes that they're forced to be in are parking lots, as you said, a drive through, you know, and like, and what is that? It's a parking lot. It's a bunch of concrete. It's ugly. And there isn't much there. And so, yeah, they're scrounging around. And even when they do find water, it's polluted. And 
so this this like empathy that I started to feel and this great sadness uh, of what humans have done to the natural world, all in the name of just urban sprawl, mm-hmm. urban sprawl that that isn't really that appealing and doesn't really serve much of a purpose except to give space for cars to park, which. You know, when when you uh, think of the trade-offs of nature, you know, what nature gives us and what a parking lot gives us, I don't know. It led to, like, deeper philosophical questions in my head. But I think most importantly, it led me to have um, all this empathy for these creatures that, yeah, I didn't give much thought to. And, in fact, I wasn't crazy about... Um, Simply because, you know, when I was a kid, like my cousin chased a bunch of geese in my direction. And they, they can be frightening when a bunch of them are running after you and you're 10 years old, right? Yeah. So I didn't have a good association with them. And yet here I was, like, really quite upset at the state of things, like the life that they are forced into now. Yeah, they can also be, you know, very territorial when they're trying to protect their own like there's there's a couple of scenes where you see which i, I be, i'm assuming they're poachers going to their the nest that these geese have created often by like hydropoles and garbage bins and then just grabbing the eggs and you see the kind of the the standoff between you know animal and man there and the, the word that you use that stuck with me is empathy and sadness. And I, you know, those are the feelings that you do have when you see this, like you, you don't realize, or at least I didn't realize up until this point, how big a role I play in, in this, you know, and it, it, it's a just gorgeously shot film that really makes you, you think about your, your place in the world and, you know, how we really do need to respect nature a lot more than we do. Yeah. Yeah. Very thought provoking, as you just said. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's uh, an interesting point to end on, an interesting film to end on, Modern Goose. Um, it just, you know, I think we've given you just an, an overview of uh, some of the incredible talent that is featured in uh, the shortcut, Shortcuts programs. Uh, there are six of them. And, of course, the programs do include films from other countries that, that you know it's a very it, it's very nice to see canadians and and international folks mixed together and you can get all these yes. different perspectives yeah and i just 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 want to mention one film and it's called dami it's in shortcuts one i haven't seen it but i'm looking forward to catching this because anytime riz ahmed is on the screen i think it's worth checking out He's in this short with Isabel Ajani, and this is an event too. Uh, all these films are events. They're they're absolutely fantastic, uh, and we get the bonus of uh, watching Riz Ahmed, a great actor, also. Yeah, and he has a he has a feature playing at the fest as well. Um, a film called Fingernails with Jesse Buckley, I believe, um, but definitely. You know, check him out in shorts program one because you get to see Rizamad and then you get to see, as I said, some of the shorts that we've mentioned and a whole bunch of great international shorts. 
That's right. And so, you know, keep listening. Stay tuned for more coverage that we're going to bring you uh, as the, the festival keeps going. It's going on until the 17th. So stay with us. Keep tuning in. This has been Frameline. I'm Barbara Kozlowski for Courtney Small. Thanks for listening.